So he goes back at them publicly and he tells them about themselves. And he does it in a very nice way. You know, I, I, um, I detest people that can't use their words. And I'm not talking about people who have ailments or, or, or issues. I'm talking about people who are fully functional, that, that are hurt or wounded, and they can't just talk. Can't just tell me what you're, talk, what you're thinking about. You know, instead you got to go using words that, that are single syllable, you know, just, you, you, you just, you can't put a sentence together that doesn't have, you know, yes, mother said four letter words. She's trying to help me out. She's getting nervous over there. She has no idea what I might say. She don't know whether I'm tired or not. So let me help Bishop out now. Four letter words, that's all you need to say, Bishop. That's good enough. Move on now. Don't say nothing else. I can tell this might go somewhere tonight. I ain't playing with you in here. I'm a mother in Zion. I gotta help the bishop stay on point here. He, no, he goes back and he speaks to them out of who they are. And he tells them, look here, you are stuck in the wrong thing. Verse 4 in the Amplified Version reads like this. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves completely according to ritual. And there are many other things, oral man-made laws and traditions handed down to them, which they follow diligently, such as washing cups and pitchers and copper utensils. So the Pharisees and scribes asked Jesus, what about your disciples? But instead, last part verse, eat their bread ceremonially unwashed. Jesus said, look, y'all, I can see where y'all coming from. And since y'all slammed me here, I'm coming back at you, but I'm going to confront you piously. Now, can I help somebody here? Because this goes to what I was trying to say about the public discourse a moment ago. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, always stay in character. A hypocrite comes from that of being a character actor who when playing a character wore one mask, but when they were out of character, they were a different person. So that the antithesis is true. To stay in character is to not be a hypocrite. teach wise. If you let somebody by what they say take you out of character, what they have said has now led you into being a hypocrite. Because you're no longer you. Now you playing the role. Now, we may find out that your true character was the role. <laughs> that may be the object lesson here, but I'm going on the assumption that your true character is that of a Christian. That, that's what I'm going to work with. Go down to verse 6. 
again, I'm going to use the Amplified Version, verse 6, 7, read, read this way. He replied, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. The Amplified Version says, play actors, pretenders. It and the great pretenders. No, no, sorry. And there's a whole lot of pretenders. Okay. As it is written in scripture, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. Their worship is meaningless and worthless, a pretense. Teaching the precepts of men as doctrines, giving their tradition equal weight with scripture. He says, look, you have to know, I'm going to talk to y'all out of the word. Here's my answer. My answer is scripture. It's the word. Hello? It's not what I heard in the local bar. It's not what I got when I was a sailor, a, a, a military person. Not all sailors cuss, but many sailors cuss proficiently. There are a lot of people who cuss. No, I'm going to tell you what thus saith the Lord. Let me give this to you. Now, the scripture that he's quoting, that Jesus is quoting, is Isaiah 29, 13. So you can go back and read it sometime. So Jesus is quoting the word, and he's trying to speak that word because he says, he says, their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. In other words, they only reverence me out of their tradition and not out of my commands. I gave them something else to do. Instead, they want to walk in tradition and not walk in my teaching. I've given them a ready, right word. Instead, they want to do their own thing. Now, I'm going to tell folk like this. You know, um, when I was younger, people used to think pastors come around people's houses checking to see what they're doing and trying to find out what sin they're committing and who stayed at the house too long and uh, if, the, if they took the walk of shame in the morning. Uh, you know, I'm just... I don't need to do that. You know why? Because what I see doesn't matter. Last I checked, I'm not going to be at the gate. I promise you this much, the one that's going to be there is already seeing. You writing it down. Look at somebody needs to say, neighbor, be careful what you let get in your book. That's a scary thought. Some of y'all are praying God's got a good eraser. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Lord, didn't you say you'd blot out my transgressions? Does that mean you washed it off the book? You cast it in the sea of forgetfulness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hello? 
I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you alone. You almost made me say something. Says, you just. I'll tell you afterwards. God, listen. The last point that I raised, which I want to give an A, B, and C to tonight, uh, and, and, this, and that is that what he really does to them and for them and for everybody around them, and I do believe for posterity, is he confronts their perspective. Because in so doing, what he's trying to do is not to simply beat them down, but to bring them up. Because apparently, what you don't even realize, you're wrong. Have you, have you ever been doing something wrong and didn't know it was wrong? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. You, you ever do something you didn't know it was wrong? I mean, some of you been on a job and they showed you how to do a particular thing and you were doing that thing, that job that same way every day and then some new boss came in and said, why are you doing that like that? Well, this is the way I was trained. Well, that's wrong. Well, this is the way I was trained. And, and so once somebody gives you enlightenment, well, I'll do it that way then because I'm just trying to give me a paycheck. I don't care if you want to go left over right or right over left, as long as that check cash at the end of the week. I put it any way you want it. But in life, there are times when, when you just don't know any better. You know, there, there are sometimes, I, I, look at, I look at people, children raised in a cults. They're raised to believe a certain way. And when they get older, they don't even know they're wrong. I listen at, 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 at skinheads who get indoctrinated into racism and they get to the point where they, it's so internalized they don't even know they're wrong. And I was watching the other day a, a person who was a skinhead who had gotten all of these tattoos and wanted to kill Jews and wanted to kill black people and hated the black church and hated everybody. <clears throat> when, 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 a, when a Pentecostal preacher walked up and hugged him and began to share new life and perspective with him. A little Pentecostal preacher in the church that probably got 50 members showed him Jesus' love. And all of a sudden, a former skinhead became a brother in Christ. You, you're not my enemy because your perspective is wrong. Your perspective is my enemy. Your, the way you're thinking is not my, that's not of God. See, sometimes we vilify people instead of recognizing that they may be, have been misled and need enlightenment. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Look, if we don't help give them truth, they don't know any better. They don't know any better. So before you go telling them off and yelling and losing your mind because somebody doesn't have it, you have to understand what's that person's background? Where did they come from? What, what teaching have they been receiving? What have they been sitting under? You don't get upset by that. You try to see, can I get them to see a different perspective? And Jesus says, let me give you another perspective, boys. I'm going to give y'all something y'all ain't thought about. He says, I want you to look at this differently now. Verse 8 and 9. 
He says, you disregard and neglect the commandment of God and cling faithfully to the tradition of men. Ooh, hold on. He says, you don't even realize it. God gave us 10 commandments. You disregard the 10 commandments to do what the oral tradition says. If God gave us 10 commandments, it should seem that the oral tradition should enforce and embrace what God said. So whatever you're doing over here that doesn't enforce what God has said can't be right. Jesus said, no, no, you see, you, you going after man-made traditions. He, he says to them, verse 9 says, uh, he, he also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside and nullifying the commandment of God in order to keep your man-made tradition and regulation. He says, uh, you don't even know that. See, because you, you've, been, you've been so caught up in, in, in listening to what you thought was right that you stopped doing what was right. And unfortunately, we can hit that wall of doing what we think is right or doing what everybody agrees with rather than what the Word of God says. You know, just because everybody's in agreement, uh, let me put it like this, can I be political for two minutes? Two seconds, I, I'll cut it down. Just because the Electoral College agreed that the person from New York should be made president doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good thing. Because just because a crowd goes out and does something wrong doesn't make it right because they got the numbers on their side. Hello? That's why sometimes you have to be able to stand when nobody else is standing. Just because it's right. Uh, I told y'all about that old lady. When everybody's running from the battle line, she was walking to it. They said, old lady, you can't do nothing at that battle line. You can't, you can't help nothing. You, you can't even fight. She said, I know. But I can let them know whose side I'm on. Every now and then, the world ought to know whose side you're on. Listen, 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 this is what he says. Number one, A, B, and C, underneath this change of perspective, here's how he first confronts them. He confronts them first as superficial professors. This is profession. They, they, they talk superficial professors, you know. They're hypocrites. He said, y'all are superficial. You, you talk a good game. But, but you ain't living nothing. Verse 5 through 8 that we already read. He says, you talking, but you're not living it. And I want to tell you something. One of the things that you never want to be, have anybody be able to say of your life is that you're a superficial professor. You, you've, been, you've been talking about I'm a Christian, but you don't even know what it means. You know, sometimes I hear some people pull, pull off some of the most raunchy lyrics I've ever heard in my life and say some of the most crazy things and then when they get on the stage and want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I'm like what they really ought to say 
is I want to praise God that I had a praying mother who still prayed that God finishes his work in me. That might be closer to the reality. The truth of the matter is saying it doesn't make it so. See, they talk about living for God and keeping the commandments. These scribes, these Pharisees, they talk about how we serve God in this particular way, while at the same time violating God's sacred laws, violating God's rules. And what Jesus says to them is, you know what? Y'all ain't right. Y'all ain't right. Matter of fact, that leads me to the second thing he says. Y'all are just superficial performers. You're just actors. You're actors. You, you teach as doctrine the commandments of men. You are talking about washing these plates and washing these dishes and doing this and keeping this ritual together. You just performing. That's why, you know, uh, many years ago when we, when we broke with the um, normal protocol for communion in traditional Baptist churches, you know, we, we, didn't, we went away from uh, wearing the, the nice suits during the summer and we put on uh, this kind of garment like I've got on now with the Shiloh on it. Uh, these logo type shirts and we came out through communion Ooh, you should have heard the parking lot testimony the parking lot testimony Ooh, they like the lost they ever loving mine y'all don't you don't know how to there's a way it ought to be done Man, you you talking about you not gonna wait to the end of service? There's a way it ought to be. Shut up. Yeah, I promise you. It, I can make you this promise, and I have no doubt that I'm right. And if you tell me I'm wrong, I have no doubt that you probably need a good examination. I promise you there was not one three-piece suit at the First Communion. I promise you, I promise you, and I promise you there was not one deaconess to cover the communion table. I promise you that. See, we, again, the traditions of men. They are oral traditions passed down. You, you, you try and find it. It ain't in the Bible. And they all stood behind the communion table and all the men stood together to receive. Which passage is that? See, the problem is that what we find ourselves doing is we allow the traditions of men to supersede the purpose of the ritual itself. Because it is the ritual purpose that is the most important thing. That's the ritual purpose is to remember him. And as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. It is to connect with him. It is to connect with his sacrifice on Calvary, the blood he shed, the body that was bruised on my behalf. 
not about what we wear. Those that went with us to Israel will testify. I think it was just as sacred to have communion sitting in the court side on benches with no regular worship cathedral or church, just sitting there having communion. Let me tell you something. It's about the relationship with Jesus. And when you lose that, this is just one example. When you lose that, you lose the essence of what it's for. Then the ritual becomes greater than the relational significance of the ritual. He, he says, you are superficial performers, washing stuff. And he says, last part of the text, and I, I won't give you this because you need this one. He says, you make superficial pronouncements. Pronouncements. He says, you think you're slick because you have the traditions of men. You think you're slick. You done found a slick way not to live the commandments. He said, and here, here's what he's saying. And God ain't pleased. Watch this. Out of all the commandments he could have used as an example to them, he says, I'm going to just raise the fifth commandment as an example to you of how you have flouted what God wanted to be so when he gave the Ten Commandments. He says, I'll just raise one for you because you need to see yourself in the mirror of truth because what you have done here is you have flouted the commandments of God with the oral traditions that gave you leeway so that you did not have to live out the commandments. If you had lived out the commandments, we would have a blessing in the community, but since you won't live out the commandments, you now have left what should have been done by you to be done by others because you have not done your part. I'm gonna bless somebody right now. This is gonna be confirmation for stuff you've done in your life. You're gonna thank God that you did. He's gonna say, wow, I never even read that, but I knew I was doing the right thing. Let me hear what it is. Go down to verse 9, 10, 11. 12, 13, go down and see the verse here. He says, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Ooh, verse 10. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. He says, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift to God, then you'll no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Okay, let's break this down, because this is interesting. The tradition, would have been that children would take care of their parents in old age. And in many cases, their, what they had had been inherited from their parents. But even if they had made in, an individual income separate from their parents in old age, they would bless their parents and help to take care of them. 
I told you for somebody it's going to be confirmation. They would bless them. They would take care of their parents in old age. That was a tradition. But when folk got money and they didn't, and they got mad at mama, got mad at daddy, and they didn't want to share their money with them, all they had to do was to say Corbin, which is to say, this belongs to God. And from that moment on, their money was now designated to God and it could only be used for them personally, their immediate family and household and nobody else. And some of them rascals were hollering Corbin over their resources so that they didn't have to take care of their aging parents. And Jesus says, what kind of faith religion you think you have? You think you're going to honor God with something and leave God's people? You think you honor God and you can't take care of mama and daddy? You think you honor God and you leave folk hungry in the street? You think you honor God and you leave people thirsty? You think you honor God? He said, no! The thing about it is, what made it so tangential and so difficult is, the Pharisees and Sadducees backed him up. From the moment they made it as a vow to God, they couldn't use it any other way or they'd fall out of line with the leadership of their community. Could easily be kicked out. So now, they backed themselves into a proverbial corner with no room to get out. It wouldn't be until 200 years later when it would come up that they would have the opportunity to move beyond that point and would put in there a caveat of being able to rescind their Corbin 200 years after this time of Jesus, AD 200 or so. Listen to what I'm saying. Jesus is saying to them, look, I know the game. Moses spoke a word to you. You think you're gonna play games with God, but God ain't playing games with you because God doesn't receive that foolishness. You didn't get that mad. Ain't, no, ain't that much mad in the world. You, you, there are some things. Honor your mother and your father. He says, and I'm going to throw a promise to you in there with it. That there are days. Come on, come on. Look here. And folk that don't know how to honor folk are people that are petty. Because the only reason you won't honor them is your petty. Teach Watts, I'm trying to. Go with me to Numbers chapter 30. See, here's where they get this. Numbers chapter 30, verse 1 through 10. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So here it is. Once they make the vow, now all of a sudden they've tied themselves in to a new rule. So by pronouncing Corbin, which is a tradition, they now tie themselves in to Numbers 30. 
So now all of a sudden they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to live my faith. No, you're not. Because you started out wrong. It's the fruit of a poison tree, as they say in, in the legal system. It's wrong from the beginning, so it's wrong now. It doesn't become right because you find a scripture that agrees with your stupidity. Because I promise you, for every stupid thing you've ever done, I can find a scripture that'll match up to it and make you feel good about yourself. Even if I take it out of context. Every, I mean, every stupid thing you've ever done, I find, promise you I can find something that'll work with it. I promise you I can find something. I can make it okay. Doesn't mean it is okay. Just means that you can find somebody and something to agree with your foolishness if you're willing to take it out of context. Are you following me? So what he says to them, Jesus says, this is not acceptable because once you do this, what you have said is that God's commandment for you to give honor is of none effect because now you now in your spite have decided not to give honor. And he says, now this is not of God. He raises this example for them, and by doing so, what he's saying to them is, look, in case you don't know it, I'm gonna tell you how bad this situation is. Remember I told you, did you see it in the text? He said, Moses already told you about this? Watch this, Exodus 21, verse 17. Look it up, Exodus 21, 17. He says, And he who curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Well, I know a whole lot of folk ought to be killed. <laughs> put about their misery now. Bam! I'm just reading the, I said I'm reading the Bible, y'all. Leviticus 20 verse 9. Leviticus 20 verse 9. It's in the Bible. If you can't find Leviticus, it's because you're not looking in the right section. It's in the beginning. If you got a lot of pages slipped over, it means you went the wrong direction. In the beginning. Leviticus 20 verse 9 says, For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Yeah. Let me tell you something. What I've got to realize is that what God wants from us is not only to seek to be in relationship vertically with him but God is as concerned about our care for others around us that's why the commandment is there why do you think the, what is the greatest commandment you might know the great commandment what's the great commandment huh with all that strength and to love who and you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how can that be the two greatest commandments if God was not concerned about us loving each other as much as we love him? 
It's no accident that Jesus used the fifth commandment because he says, if you can't do that loving to someone that brought you into this world or someone that raised you, because not just the person that, that gave birth to you, somebody raised you. Maybe, maybe you don't even know your birth parent, but somebody spoke into your life and has raised He says, if you can't give that love to them, how are you going to extend the love of the greatest commandments to other people? And you can't talk about loving God if you don't love your fellow men and women. And what Jesus was rebuking here is the lack of a love ethic. That they put traditions of men ahead of the very relationship building that God wanted us to do in the earth realm. He not only wanted us to have a relationship with him as the divine, but he wanted us to have a relationship with others. That's why building walls becomes sin. Because you can't have relationships behind the walls. What I need to understand is loving others, watch this, is loving God. And no speaking of any words to the contrary will change what God wanted from us to be in relationship like the cross, vertically with him and horizontally with others. This is how Jesus met his challenge. The word of God for the people of God. Come on, give God a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I'm having a good time. I hope you all are. I'm, I'm working, walking. I know these are texts that we don't normally teach and preach, and which makes it even more fun for me to do it.